You're listening to Everyday Emergency, a podcast from Doctors Without Borders. Coastal city Hodeida, in the west of the country's strategic port on the Red Sea. During an offensive in 2018, the city also suffered an incursion of ground troops and intense coalition airstrikes. From the beginning of 2018 to June, we saw coalition forces advancing along the entire southern front line that extends from just above Taiz toward Mocha and up to Hudeida. They reached Hudeida. Recalls Agnès, who went to the region a few months later. It was this offensive launched with ground troops and massive airstrikes that led us to set up operations in Mocha in August and then Hodeida. MSF opens two new projects, one north of the front line in Hodeida and one in Mocha to provide medical care to people trapped by the fighting to the south. 120 kilometers further south, small port town Mocha has the misfortune of being in a strategic location, midway along the only road between Hodeida and Aden. The road cuts through a wide desert strip along the Red Sea. Tiny villages, a few burnt out tanks, and beach rusting boats are the only landmarks. That's it, nothing else. But when we say there's nothing, it's not a figure of speech. There really is nothing, a road, and that's it. So if you happen to be a hemophiliac and you cut your little finger, you're not going to make it. It's literally a medical desert. So within a few weeks, a tent hospital is assembled in Mocha, and the first patients quickly begin to pour in. Women about to give birth and people with war wounds, often the victims of landmines. Many are emergency cases and arrive when it's already too late. Landmines are the most cruel and senseless of the lot. Anti-personnel mines, or the booby-trapped toys that the Soviets dumped during the war in Afghanistan for kids to pick up. Comment Surgeon Bernard Lemonnier. I don't know if in, in Yemen landmines are laid out intentionally to target the population. I'm not sure. It's probably to stop troops advancing. But the buried mines explode, and it's the kids who are worst affected because, you know, kids are running all over the place. Bernard sees many civilians in his operating theater. The war affects people of all ages. It's affecting everyone. And it's not just 7 to 77-year-olds we treat. We've had a 7-month-old, 
and a 107-year-old. Well, maybe not 107, I, I think 103, but it was someone who'd reached the century. The seven-month-old kid, he'd taken a bullet in the abdomen that perforated his stomach. And it was a quite serious wound because a Kalashnikov bullet does a lot of damage to a tiny seven-month-old baby. But he came through. And the granddad of 100 plus years, I say plus, he was definitely over 100. He was born during the Ottoman Empire. And we don't see many patients born during the reign of the Sultan of Istanbul. So this granddad of 100 plus years had small shrapnel fragments that, that weren't that serious, fortunately. And a few days later, he was able to go home. Many patients have shrapnel wounds, small fragments of bombs, which cause damage that's difficult to evaluate. It's sometimes safer to leave the body to heal itself around the metal fragments. The consequences for people too close to a landmine when it explodes can be devastating. There are a lot of amputations. Amputations pose a problem for surgeons who have to decide whether or not to proceed. Uh, they need to know the patient's chances of recovery and if they'll have a functional limb. And then both the patient and their family have to be persuaded. And that's really challenging because on top of everything else, we don't speak the language. And they believe that because we're MSF with all our resources, that we should be able to avoid amputation. Amputation is the most conspicuous sign of the price the war exacts from civilians. And the impact of landmines extends beyond the wounds they inflict, as they also prevent people from moving around freely and cultivating their fields to feed themselves. Along the road from Mocha to Taz, the enormity of the problem is fully revealed. The road passes through a lunar landscape where countless plastic bags are entangled in small shrubs on dunes. The driver of the off-road vehicle transporting Agnes scans both sides of the road. He's careful to stay between the small red-painted stones the D-miners have placed to delimit either side of the D-mined path. In 10, 20, 30 years, it'll still be a problem, and it always will be, because for the moment, it's the army doing the demining. Soldiers specialized in mine clearance. But they only clear the places they're interested in, which means mainly access roads. That's about it. There's very little of what's called civilian demining, so nobody's clearing the fields. The local inhabitants continue to get blown up by landmines and can't cultivate their fields, which they can't anyway. It's a problem that's not going to go away anytime soon. For more true stories from the front line of medical emergencies, subscribe via your podcast provider or visit msf.org.uk slash podcast. <laughs>